Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's time to drop the puck. Time for the Nightcap. Your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Let's hear from the goalie. Here's Lindsey Brown. Hey, how are you? And welcome back to another installment of the Nightcap. We appreciate you choosing to join us to talk some Golden Knights hockey tonight via the CBS Sports Radio 1140 Signal or streaming on the Radio.com app. My name is Lindsay Brown, your host, always and forever. And tonight I'm joined by my co-host on The Playmakers, which just finished up. You can listen to us 3 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. Paul Eihander. Hello, Paul Lito. <laughs> Hello, Lindsay Brown. How are you? Good, good. Just uh, rolling through another fine Monday night. Looking forward to talking some hockey. What uh, hockey we have left to talk about? Yeah, that's that's the thing, Paulito, because we do, we are dealing with a very unprecedented situation here, and and it's there's not a lot of sports being played right now, especially hockey. And so we're gonna we're but we got plenty to talk about. We're gonna talk to, to Ben Goats on the other side of the break here about his experience uh, over the last few days because he was actually up in Minnesota to cover the team for that game when everything kind of trickled down so we're going to talk oh, to him that's right that's yeah. right that's right we forget it's been only like five days since then and uh and then also we we talked to uh, my former head coach kirsten matthews last week on the playmakers we're gonna have that for you lined up as well to kind of bring you guys a little bit of a of an inside story of how covid19 is affecting the collegiate athletic community and specifically my former team and other than that it's it's been a weird week Paulus because like the last time when we were when we were on the air and, and Ben and I were here you know the Golden Knights were playing against the Edmonton Oilers like that was the last game that that has that was played and they end up winning that thing in three to three to two in overtime come back here to practice for a day and then head back out to Minnesota or not back out but just up to Minnesota for practice in the game on Thursday and then Everything kind of changed. Right. Nothing. It, it didn't happen. We know what's going on in the world today, and mm-hmm. it certainly affected the NHL. And the NHL's made a number of adjustments to to bring players back home, first of all. And then they said that everybody could take off, and now they continue to move the timelines in terms of a season. But we know that Commissioner Bettman has been pretty clear uh, since uh, the NHL decided to call off all its games and all its events on Thursday. Again, it feels so long ago mm-hmm. when he did that. But he's been pretty adamant about wanting to play out some sort of the rest of the season, get into the Stanley, get into the playoffs, and award a Stanley Cup this year. He's been very clear about that. I mean, I admire the optimism, at least. Sure. You know, whether it happens or not is another question, but... 
I do believe that at least for the fans of these teams, for all the teams, you know, whether it is the Golden Knights or whether it's another hockey, I mean, I think there's something to cling on to. Sure. I'm not sure how real it's going to be the longer the calendar gets stretched out, Mm -hmm. but at least it's something for us to think about. We don't have to continue simulating games through our NHL 20 and, and, you know, older video games, and we can think about that kind of thing. And here's the good thing. We don't have to talk about a hockey stick shortage anymore because things are getting better in China. Yes, this and is they'll true. Probably start cranking out a ton more hockey sticks, mm-hmm. and we won't have to worry about that noise. But you know, it sucks, especially for for you know fans, you know first first year fans and first time fans. You see some of the heartbreaking videos of the kids that were going to games, mm-hmm. you know, that were you know going to you know NHL games and NBA games and whatnot for the first time, and mm-hmm. or they had tickets and they were so excited because they were going to spend their birthdays there. That's and, what happened to my cousin. He he came uh, to a fandom and just a complete just obsession with Marc-Andre Fleury all on his own, actually, before I even moved down here. And they were going to go to that Minnesota Wild Vegas Golden Knights game before it was canceled. And he was devastated. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's tough. And I think, you know, for all of us, you know, we remind ourselves, you know, not just being, you know, casual fans, but diehard fans of the Knights, you know, Mm -hmm. we we can still chant Knights at the national anthem and, and we could still, you know, Tip the cap, or you know, curtsy, or you know, shout Whatever. through shout through megaphones. There you at, go. At, at other Knights fans, and you know, it's still you know, celebrate our fandom. We just have to do a little bit differently now. And you know, again, for those diehard fans, yeah, it's it's tough. But I want you to think about those first time fans too, the ones that were looking forward to sure. going to some of these games too. The heartbreak is just as genuine. We're all going through that same thing, especially when it comes, you know, to hockey. And, you know, we, we hope they get a chance to come back and play. You know, again, I, I don't see any reason, you know, why we can't hope for that. I, you know, I hope it does happen, to they, be honest. They do have the advantage over the NBA in the sense they started their season a few weeks earlier. So they're further progressed in the season. So it's actually not that crazy of of a of an idea to say we'll wipe out the rest of the regular season. Say we have a playing game or or some sort of framework for a playoff series, playoff Stanley Cup, just uh, tournament style. But yeah, it, it's it's definitely weird because as I said, and like we all know, we've never dealt with anything like this, and and it's. I don't know if I was a little bit too quick to judge the NHL because on Wednesday night when the NBA basically when all of that unfolded on lot as we were wrapping up the playmakers actually and they essentially said we're where we are postponing the rest of the season. The NHL did not follow until the next morning. And I, I remember texting you and you're like, I'm trying to put my son to sleep. So please stop texting me. But I was kind of disappointed that they weren't, that they weren't red hot on the heels of the NBA saying like, yeah, us too, because of all the shared space, because of all the shared planes, all, all these different things where they cross paths. And it was only, only an eventuality that somebody was going to test positive in either league. But now that we've had some space and time to think about that, you weren't you weren't nearly as critical as the NH- on the NHL as I was. Do you still hold that same stance? I do, and I think because of how how quickly this has changed, it wasn't they th- no they weren't playing games at noon that day. They didn't have any early East Coast games. They were moving forward. They still had teams in travel. They had referees and and officials still moving from place to place. And I think some of the other leagues, when especially when the NBA, when they said yep, we're shutting the whole thing down, that night, there was no plan. It was just, it felt like, okay, this is the right thing to do. And I and I respect that. It's yeah. like, this is the right they thing to do. They took people off the floor. Right. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like the next step, it hadn't been thought about. There was no action plan moving forward. It was literally like, okay, we're just going to stop and we'll just kind of figure out as we go. I think by taking the little heartbeat, taking just 
let's everybody sleep on it and mm-hmm. give us a clearer head in the morning. Give us some distance from the initial kind of shock that a professional athlete had, you know, had uh, the COVID-19, the coronavirus. And mm-hmm. now, you know, and Bettman has said, you know, the math was going to add up eventually for the NHL too. Some woods was going to come down with it, you know, just based on shared space, shared arenas, mm-hmm. just the general, just travel. You know, teams fly through airports, they eat in restaurants that others do. It's not all catering and bodyguards and things like that. There's still public figures that have, you know, public appearances. They show up at car dealerships, they show up at ribbon cuttings, they have other things in their lives outside of the team as well that right. are part of their status. I, you know, I, I'm still, I'm still okay with it. I'm okay with them moving forward with it because we're still seeing, you know, sporting events and, and, uh, and other leagues still having to call things off right now. And they've given it, you know, they've given it a lot of thought moving down the line and they're seeing what other leagues are doing. Yeah. Um, there's an adage where it's okay to not be first in some cases. That's true. And I think for the NHL, it was okay for them not to be first. They could have been first, and it would have been just as fine that way. Sure. But by taking that extra heartbeat, there's no criticism coming down the line at the NHL. They're not saying they didn't protect the fans. You know, they're not playing in empty arenas right now. Right. You know, they're not, you know, drawing people to that. They're, they're taking their time. Other leagues are taking their time. And I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. And that's that's a totally fair point. And the more that I've kind of thought about it, I'm like, yeah, I mean, what's really going to happen in the 12 hours between that, uh, between the NBA saying we're going to shut down and then the the next day the NBA or the NHL took that those same steps as well. But the hockey community has always been one that's very, uh, very giving, very much together. It, it's it's a unique group of people. It's we a have monsterly tight community when it comes to the hockey, just brethren from youth leagues, amateur leagues, all right. the way up through the pros. And almost every single team in the NHL has... Has stepped up in some way, shape, or form to say like, hey, because these games are canceled, because we don't know when or if they're going to be coming back, we're going to cover wages. We're going to make sure our part-time staff and event staff are taken care of. And there's been so many examples of players uh, of donating money towards those causes, teams themselves. But I think the most disappointing thing for me, Paul, is that the Vegas Golden Knights aren't one of those teams. They are literally one of four teams right now in the NHL that has not said a thing about helping out their part-time and event staff that are losing work because uh, because of the season being postponed. And I get it. There are different owners. There are different things. There are different piles of money that people are drawing from. But it doesn't... I don't care. Do you care the fact that that, that it's... Oh, if, if the staff is paid by so-and-so, it's not really of the Golden Knights. It's it's not okay. I, 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 don't, I haven't seen anything online about it. I haven't seen anybody talk about it, and I think that that's wrong. Like I said, they're one of four teams. The Golden Knights, the Boston Bruins, the St. Louis Blues, and the Minnesota Wild are the only four NHL teams at this moment, at least that I've gathered, and maybe I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. But I know that they have not talked about covering and helping out the people that help them enable the experiences that we go and and, and go see the, the Knights play each and every night. And I think that's wrong. Certainly not publicly. We haven't seen anything publicly made no, by, publicly. By, by these teams. Maybe there are things, maybe there are some things working uh, behind the scenes, but I'm on, I'm, 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 I'm lockstep with you. Yeah. If there is something in the works, they should tell us, make it known. Yeah. Make it known quickly. This, especially here in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. we know, and we know that there are people listening right now that could be driving towards their last shift. Mm-hmm. or could have already taken on their last shift and now they're trying to figure out next steps or moving forward. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to process. Yeah. When, when, when you have the opportunity to make, to again, 
if there's something on the back end that's being worked on, at least just come out and say that it's being worked on. Right. I mean, like the, the a, a small parachute, the just Carolina a little Hur- teeny small parachute will help. The Carolina Hurricanes are one of those uh, teams that were in the grouping of not coming out and saying that they're doing anything. And they have actually come forward and say, hey, we don't have the framework in place, but we have every intention of making sure that these people are taken care of and that everything is going to be OK. We have seen nothing of that effect. And so I think that's wrong. And that's not just on the Golden Knights. That's on the other teams that are on that list. But regardless, I feel like it needed to be said because I find it straight up unacceptable, especially with this city and how much this team means to the people and and how great that show is and so why don't we make sure we have the people's backs who allow us to go and forget and have a little moment away from reality and enjoy sports and enjoy hockey the best way we can uh as i said uh at the start of the hour we are going to be joined by my normal co-host ben goats on the other side of the break to talk about his experience uh on the road when the golden knights got word that everything was kind of shutting down last week so we are going to talk to him in just a couple minutes uh my name is Lindsay brown your host always and forever and this is the Nightcap, live on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and streaming on the Radio.com app. Your Monday Night Power Play, The Nightcap, on CBS Sports Radio 1140. Hey, what up? And welcome back to the Nightcap. As we kick off the second portion of the show, I would like to remind you all that it is super, super easy to listen back to this show, any past episode, any future Nightcaps that we do. All you got to do is subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on the Radio.com app and literally search out the Nightcap. Yes, include the the. And hit that purple subscribe button in that upper left-hand corner. Uh, You can find a step-by-step video to do that on my Twitter feed. That's at LindsayBrown35. And usually, I am joined by my co-host, Ben Goats, but because of the circumstances we find ourselves in, which is, you know, the quarantine, the social distancing, Ben Goats uh, is joining us via phone this evening. Hello, Benji. Hey, how's it going? It's weird not to be right next to you right now. I know it is weird, although your spirit and presence are definitely pushing me through this hour. And uh, oh, it, thank it, you. It, yeah. I try. How, how's it going over there? Are you, are you are you having trouble passing the time at all? Or are you just you have so much uh, hockey things to get after that you're, you've been busy and haven't even looked up from your screen? Yeah, today was busy. I feel like it's one of those things where it's going to be you know, busy for the next couple of days because everything's just happening so fast. I mean, we've had NHL announcements basically, I mean, every day it feels like, but I'm worried that by Wednesday or Thursday, I'm just going to be throwing up my hands because there's going to be no more updates to give out at some point. So, I mean, for the time being, I'm just going to probably just bunker in uh, with my, my lovely dog who's sleeping on the bed right next to me. We're going to watch more Love is Blind and oh, we'll figure God. it out from there. <laughs> Everybody in the in the Vegas Gold Knights media circuit is basically going uh, down that Love is Blind thing. I will not. I will not do it, Ben, but you guys have a great time. Uh, but it has been a crazy week for all of us, especially those of us working in the sports industry. But like, uh, like the rest of us, you were learning everything we were in real time. The only thing was is that you weren't in Vegas, Ben. You were in Minnesota with the team to cover that, you know, Matt, that that matchup that was supposed to be between the Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wild until there wasn't one. Can you kind of just walk us through over the, the sequence of events of that morning and how you kind of learned things and, and, and how that just kind of felt? Because you weren't you were home, but not really home. You know what I mean? No, it was super weird. So, yeah, as I'm sure everyone kind of knows the timeline by now. Uh, the Golden Knights were supposed to play the Minnesota Wild on Thursday. 
in Minnesota. They actually practiced Wednesday morning and then flew out Wednesday night to get to uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul. But Wednesday night is also when Rigo Bear tested positive for COVID-19 or the coronavirus for the Utah Jazz, which just changed everything for basically every North American, I mean, sports league. So, you know, I was obviously working the phone uh, Wednesday night trying to figure out what was going on. I mean, I didn't put down Twitter for, it felt like, four hours. Uh, and finally, you know, you kind of come to the realization Wednesday night with the NBA officially calling everything off. It felt like within the hour, once Gobert's positive test came out, they're like, oh man, like, what am I going to like potentially be covering tomorrow if indeed this game is going to take place or am I going to wake up tomorrow morning and learn that there was going to, you know, an announcement that there was going to be no fans at this game. Am I going to have a game to cover at all? Like, are they going to make an announcement that the season's off? Are going to make that announcement before the night's morning skate? Cause they were, you know, scheduled to practice at 1130 sure. AM that day in Minnesota. There's just so much kind of, you know, happening so much to think about. It was such a fluid situation. And then of course, you know, I woke up uh, Thursday, like, all morning skates were, you know, recommended to be canceled. And the night's, of course, canceled there. And from there, you kind of knew, like, okay, it's when, not if, this season is, you know, going to be suspended or, as uh, Gary Bettman put in his release, paused. And so, I mean, like, so that was another day where I don't think I put down Twitter, you know, my entire work day. I just basically worked from, you know, my parents' kitchen table uh, texting people, calling people, you know, calling my coworkers, trying to figure out how we're going to approach this, how we're going to cover it. And it was just exhausting until finally, you know, at about six o'clock central time that night, it kind of hits you that, oh man, there's no hockey. There's no anything right now. And it was just such a surreal feeling, especially because, you know, even though I was in Minnesota to do my job, you felt disconnected because I wasn't back in Las Vegas with right. you know, my coworkers and stuff. I was working remotely and it was just a lot kind of coming at me at once. Yeah, it makes total sense. It, it would be so discombobulating and we were all experiencing that too. We were just like, okay, what is happening? What is going on? And it's been nothing but that sense. But I do share your sentiment in saying like, yeah, this things are probably going to slow down in the next couple of days. But as of last night, the CDC recommended an eight-week ban on all events of 50 people or more. And then earlier today, the NHL released kind of a tentative plan to possibly open a, a training camp. Obviously, that's, that's very much dependent on what kind of goes around uh, the society over these next next couple weeks, but to start a training camp period about 45 days in that 60 day period in hopes of ramping up um, to uh, at least some sort of playoff format. How likely do you think that it is that we'll see some resolution, even though I know I just said there's really no way to know. And and do you think it's the right thing to do if and when they get the opportunity? Should they take the, the opportunity to, to resume the season or just say this is done? We'll see you in 2020, at least on the back end of 2020. Yeah, so those are both, you know, great questions, and I'll kind of address them in parts. Will this actually happen? I have no earthly idea. I mean, you know, I think there's the old saying is if you want to make, you know, God laugh, tell him your plans or something. This is exactly how that feels to me. It's just, you know, just, you know, four, like a week ago, none of us thought that canceling games was remotely a possibility. And mm-hmm. so to think that we all of a sudden will know, like, definitively 45 days from now where we'll be at is, you know, foolhardy to me. Now I know the NHL has to have some sort of plan because they have to have something that they communicate, you know, to the teams, to the players, to the front office personnel. 
to everybody. But of course, no one really knows how long this is going to take to play out. We just don't know. And that's kind of part of the scary thing right now is that we've never really quite dealt with something like this. And so we're going to have to just kind of let it play its course and then adjust from there. And then in terms of whether restarting the season is the right thing, I mean, it all depends on the timing, right? I mean, based on what the NHL sent out today, we would have games probably like starting in like mid-May, which wouldn't be necessarily that awful. We've had, you know, games basically start like a week earlier, postseason games, you know, when the 2012-2013 lockout happened in Mm -hmm. 1995, the same thing kind of happened where games started late April, early May for the playoffs, and then the Stanley Cup was awarded, uh, I believe it was June 24th, so like towards the end of June. So if you're telling me we could start maybe like a week later than that, get the Stanley Cup like late June, you know, maybe that first week of July, yeah, I think you could sell me on that. I think it could work. Once you start moving that date back, which as we all know is going to be a very real possibility over the next coming weeks, that's when it starts to get scary to me because, of course, at some point after all of this happens and all these decisions are made, well, there still has to be a draft. There still has to be free agency. And, oh, yeah, these guys do still need, like, a real, real offseason at some point right. where they can let their bodies and minds because – Obviously, even though they might not be quite keeping up with the physical demands of the sport right now, I mean, this time is mentally stressful on all of us. But those guys are going to need at least a little time off before all of a sudden training camps potentially ramp back up, you know, in mid or early September, depending on whether you're a rookie or you're a veteran. So those are all, you know, real decisions that the NHL and the Players Association are going to have to weigh. I know Gary Bettman has said, you know, we have a date in mind as to when we get past it, we would not start the season again, but he has not revealed it. I believe Bill Daly has said we don't anticipate shortening next regular season at all. Mm-hmm. But with those kind of two things in mind, you will have to see how long they're willing to kind of wait or how long they're willing to push the start of the playoffs back yet, because I don't think they can get much, much later than mid-May and still have kind of a conceivable postseason that, you know, most people would be willing to accept. For sure. It's it's definitely an ever-evolving situation, and we'll be there every step of the way with you guys, whether we're in studio together or on the phone uh, as we find you now, Ben. And just in case this is it, and quickly before we let you go, because we are coming up against the break, say the season's done and we are where we are and it is what it is, what's your favorite moment from uh, from the Gold Knight season thus far? Yeah, well, I don't want to uh, spoil this too much because I am writing about the uh, – Top five Golden Knights games uh, for a series at the Review Journal right now. Where can we find that, Ben? Uh, ReviewJournal.com. Boom. Very quick plug right there. Great minds Um, think alike. There's so many that stand out from the season. I mean, for those of you that are reading right now, I've already talked about Cody Glass's first goal as a pro is a moment that's going to stick with me forever. I should say not as a pro, as an NHL player. Mm -hmm. Against the San Jose Sharks, that was such a cool moment watching his reaction in real time, watching what that meant for him, his family. You know, John Merrill scoring as a forward in his first game as a forward against the Flyers, and that just whole insanity of the game. Marc-Andre Fleury's, you know, save that basically ended Mike Babcock's Maple Leafs tenure was a crazy, insane moment. Um, but the number one for me, spoiler alert, for those of you who are just really on the edge of your seat, we are what my rankings are going to be, is I was in Bridgestone Arena when Max Pacioretty beat the buzzer against the Predators to force overtime. 
And then, of course, the Knights ultimately won on Paul Stasny's goal, uh, I believe it was November 27th. And just the euphoria in that locker room and just the weight that felt like it had been lifted off those guys' shoulders at that moment was just, I mean, it was something truly special. It's something you can't script, and I think that is something that I'll always remember being there for. Absolutely. Plenty of good moments from the season behind us and hopefully plenty ahead of time. Uh, where, what's your Twitter handle in case you got, you're tweeting out those article links and whatnot? Yeah, everyone can find me on Twitter at Ben S. Goat, G-O-T-Z. Still, you know, got that new blue checkmark swag as of a week ago. Oh, damn. Give it a follow. Right on, Ben. Thanks so much for joining us and be well. Stay safe and keep washing those hands, my friend. You too. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Uh, That was Ben Goats. Usually he's sitting here with me in studio, but because of the situation we all find ourselves in, which is distancing socially, we join him by phone. Uh, On the other side of the break, we are going to hear a piece of my conversation with one of my former head coaches, Kirsten Matthews. She's the head coach at St. Anselm College women's hockey team. A little piece of our interview with us uh, when she joined us on the Playmakers last week. My name is Lindsay Brown, and this is The Nightcap, live on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and streaming on the Radio.com app. Sending you off to the naughty chair. It's the Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. Hey, how are you? And welcome back to the Nightcap. Uh, my name is Lindsay Brown, your host, always and forever. And you can find all of the great things I tweet out, hockey and otherwise, at Lindsay Brown 35. That's L-A-N-D-S-E-Y, brown like the color, and the numerical value of 35, because that is the correct way to spell that name in its entirety. And any other way is just straight up wrong. And usually uh, during the 30, 35th minute of, uh, of the nightcap each and every week, we have our normal dump and chase segment. But instead, tonight, in place of that segment, we are going to air a conversation that we had on the Playmakers just this past Friday, me and Paul Lito, uh, with my former head coach, Kirsten Matthews. She's the head coach of the St. Anselm Women's College Hockey Program. I played for four years under Coach Matthews. And in our conversation, we got her take on everything changing in front of our eyes due to COVID-19 and its impact on college athletics uh, and the community going forward. So, Coach, how are you fa- handling all this newfound free time? You know, as a, as a coach, I never realized how much you actually have to do in the offseason. So in some regards, it kind of gives us a chance to catch up on things and maybe get some emails done and some paperwork done. So I don't know that we'll be completely unbusy. I think we'll probably just have to do a little bit more of the boring work, if you will. <laughs> So like a lot of other colleges and universities, Coach, good to hear from you, as always. Uh, and, and worldwide, St. A's will be shutting down its campus and, and sending students home and finishing the semester via remote instruction. What, is that had, what has that been like for you to kind of see as they've gone through this decision-making process and then implementing uh, that course of action uh, by having the students out by, I believe, March 15th, right? Yeah, no, they'll be, yeah, they'll be out by the end of this weekend. So, you know, really it's, it's one of those roles where we're just trying to make sure that we give up, give our students a, a feeling of it's fine and let's, get, let's do the things that make the most amount of sense right now, right? Like we want to make sure that their safety is first and foremost and we can implement a lot of these things remotely. It does make it a little bit more difficult. You have to be a little bit more of a self-starter, but these are times that are, are unique. And we're trying to figure it out. And I think more than anything, we just want to make sure our students feel supported. Coach, you're at the D1 level there with the women's ice hockey at St. Anselm. Do you agree with the decision to cut off all winter and spring sports and championships? 
You know, right now I do. I just, I, I feel like we're in a, a, a part where we don't know what's coming. And it's important for us right now to look at the bigger picture and say, if this is what's best for our country, to make sure that everybody's safe and be able to, for our medical professionals to be able to manage what's coming our way. I think we need to do that. Obviously, my heart breaks for the seniors and the athletes that can't get to compete. I think that's really, really difficult. But I do think there's a bigger, a bigger picture here right now than um, sports, unfortunately. And I think that's really what the the underlying story for for the this entire issue is those seniors are or and those athletes where their careers are ending. And I know that you didn't have to have this tough conversation, coach, because you guys, your postseason concluded uh, before all of this came down. But if you would indulge us, our listeners and mostly me, uh, but some piece of pieces of advice that you would have given to the players if this is a message that you would have had to deliver to them and, and how they could uh, essentially uh, change their frame and, and how they look at things. Well, and I think, to be honest, I think a lot of coaches have had to start to think about this regardless of where you are in your season of how do you how do you frame this so that your players, because it is so devastating in terms of these athletes have worked so hard and they've, you know, you can't rebuild the season. You can't just postpone it and say it will look the same because it's not going to. And essentially the, the message really is that this is bigger than ourselves and we, we can't put a price tag on someone's life. And we have to be able to make sure as a country that we can manage the medical piece that is coming our way and that. That really is the the most important thing right now is how does our country make sure that we understand the biggest message, which is that by closing down one championship weekend, is that the is that the answer? I don't think that's what, what the message is. I think the message is by trying to contain this so that we don't have spikes that tons of people are getting the coronavirus right away. And we can try to make this as they've shown on so many diagrams, sort of that slow um that slow growth as opposed to the spikes in growth that our medical professionals just won't be able to handle. So I think making sure that we really do look at the bigger picture here, which is, you know, the health of our entire country. Kirsten Matthews, the head coach for ice hockey at St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire, joining us here on the Playmakers, Paul and Lindsay. And coach, let me take take us back to that first moment when you heard that everything was going to be called off and all of a sudden you have nothing to do except wait it out. Yeah, you know, that, that I think is probably what was hardest for everybody is it's sort of that unknown, right? Even for adults, we, we all want answers. We all, we have a hard time as human beings, as competitors living in the moment. And I, I think that was the piece of what comes next, what comes next. And I, I've been trying to live in that mind frame of, you know, the truth is it could be completely different tomorrow. Like our college is shut down and the students are on our way off, but we're still, you know, reporting to work, but maybe we'll be working from home next week. And I think if we can all just remember that, We've got to we've got to live in the moment and understand right now in a time of not knowing the answers that it's going to change on a day to day basis. It could even change hour to hour. And our job is to support each other the best we can in sort of an uncertain time. I think that will give us a lot of uh, perspective and being good human beings to one another. Uh, Coach, and looking forward, we we know implications on on this season and the uh, on the winter sports championship season, the spring sports, but there are things going to be implicated looking forward as well. The NCAA has established a temporary recruiting dead period for all Division One sports through at least April fifteenth. How is that going to affect your ability to get recruits, get uh, get people on campus, and and how does that affect the larger just collegiate athletic community? I think we're going to see a lot of effects of, of this coming forward to this fall. I mean, you're talking about 
not only coaches, but uh, admissions people trying to recruit students, right? So this is going to be a much bigger uh, piece than just the athletic world. I think we're all focused in on that because it affects our day-to-day life, but I do think this is going to have a much bigger effect on the overall enrollment for colleges and what does this look like. And fortunately for Division ones, we've recruited out so far that we're right now just in a, a piece where we would have been evaluating and reevaluating, right? So some of that's going to get pushed. And maybe, you know, we changed the rules a couple of years ago to make it so the student athletes were recruited later and not being committed so early. So maybe in that regards, there's a little bit of a silver lining that these young kids will have an opportunity to not make decisions so quickly that coaches will respect the idea of letting them get on campus later and later so that they can actually see the campuses and not commit before they've even been to the institution. Kirsten Matthews is the head coach, ice hockey head coach at St. Antoine College in Manchester, New Hampshire. Coach, before we let you go, Lindsay's looking at me funny right now. Mm-hmm. Coach, and, and so listen, we, we get some great insight into Lindsay because of the guests that she brings to us. And we, we're talking to Olympic yeah. gold medalists. We now get to talk to her former head coach. I need one instance in your in your mind. You don't have to laugh about Careful, this because coach. I'm being I'm being kind. I'm, I'm being very complimentary to my co-host here. Give if is there what is there one moment that you saw Lindsay that just kind of defines her career with you? One moment. Well, there's so many uh, <laughs> on so on many. I, on ice or off the ice, coach. There's so many on the ice and off the ice. And, you know, to be honest, it's such an awesome opportunity to be able to continue to come back and and talk to your alumnus, right? And I will tell you that probably one of my favorite Lindsay moments was this past summer before she actually came out to Las Vegas and seeing her take the time to believe in herself and invest in herself and take a chance on herself and go out to Vegas and really pursue her dreams. So I will I will tell you that's probably one of my favorite Lindsay's that she, you know, that Lindsay always thought outside the box. And I think that was probably one of the best when she actually said, you know, I'm th- I, this is what I want to do. And I said, well, you got to go get it. And seeing her do this and being able, when she texted me today, I thought, yeah, I'll absolutely do this because I would love to be able to just continue to be a part of her journey. Well, I appreciate you coming along for the ride and all the guidance you've given me when I was on the team, post team. I mean, I think even you started my senior speech uh, at our bank was, was she made my life a living hell, but we got there. <laughs> Right. We are. Look at how far we've come. I know. It's great, right? It's perfect. Coach, you're welcome to come back anytime. Thanks, Coach. Well, we I really appreciate it, guys. Have a great night. And that was our conversation uh, with Coach Matthews from this past Friday in the Playmakers. The Playmakers is on the air each and every weekday, 3 to 6 p.m. on this very station on the radio.com app. And we appreciate Coach taking some time out of her day uh, to kind of brief us on what the situation's like out in the good old Manchester, New Hampshire. A lot of, a lot of my time is spent up there in that part of the country and with that team. So uh, lots of maps. All right. Uh, we have one final segment here uh, on the other side of the break before we send you off into the darkness. We're going to retape our sticks and uh, eat some orange slices, and we'll be right back and give you what to expect from the NHL over the next coming weeks. My name is Lindsay Brown, and this is The Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and streaming on the Radio.com app. The Nightcap. That's a night with a K. As in Golden Knights? Duh. On CBS Sports Radio 1140. Hello and 
Welcome back to the final portion of tonight's Nightcap. Uh, remember, you can podcast each and every episode that has ever been recorded in the existence. All you got to do is go to the radio.com app or on Apple Podcasts, search the, include the the, Nightcap, and uh, make sure you subscribe, make sure you listen to everything. And uh, because honestly, guys, the NHL's on pause. So that's what we're going to have to do for the nightcap. We are going to have daily shows on the weekdays, like I said, from the Playmakers 3 to 6 p.m. until said otherwise. But we're going to have to take a little bit of a break because there's just not that much to discuss in the hockey world. There's no AHL. There's no ECHL. There's no, you know, there's no PWHL. There's nothing. There's no hockey. But if there's anything that we need to discuss, any updated news, uh, any interviews that we're able to kind of secure over the next few weeks, you're going to be able to find that on that podcast feed. Like I said, search out the the nightcap on your Apple podcast or on the radio.com app. And that should forward you to everything we have done and we will do over these next few weeks. And we appreciate you guys supporting us and listening to us throughout this time because it's weird for all of us. So we're all dealing with a very different life change and, and, and a new normal, at least for now. And, and so we appreciate any support that we can get from you guys. So before we send you off and, and let everyone go, I do want to get, get everybody up to speed because the NHL did have a release earlier today uh, of just basically outlining their next few weeks. So I'm going to basically read that in its entirety so everyone is on that same page. So as of this morning, the NHL uh, National Hockey League announced the following update regarding player activity and movement during the season. Pause. Keyword, pause. Not postponement, not cancellation, at least up until this point. Effective immediately, uh, players can opt to return home outside of the club's home city, including outside of North America. Uh, Before they were saying, hey, players, you guys have to go back to your home cities and stay there until, I'm guessing, they went through a quarantine period, until they got things figured out. Otherwise, because this this event is showing to be not really just the next couple weeks type of change, but the next few weeks, maybe the next couple months, they're allowing players to return to wherever they want to be at this time. Uh, The next point they have is the self-quarantine period shall continue within the player's home through and including Friday, March 27th, unless a longer period may be required uh, in accordance with local mandates and related to travel. So they are going to still be chilling at home, just like the rest of us. We're all in this together and uh, we all should really take it seriously because if the players are doing it, we should be doing it too. And it doesn't really matter if the players are doing it because that's just what social responsibility is. Uh, At the end of the self-quarantine period, depending on the world developments between now and then, uh, consideration will be given to the fall, to the allowing the opening of club facilities to players scheduled and coordinated small groups for voluntary training. So I'm guessing once these, once we have in the next couple weeks, barring that everything goes well and we get this thing under control, they'll allow some of the players to come in, maybe do some small area games, some, some mini captains practices, which are basically literally what they sound like where the captains come in, they run the practice. I'm not sure if that's what they do at the professional level, but we'll, we're going to find all of this out together. But until that self-quarantine period, nobody's allowed on any team facility ice with each other, without each other. Everybody's just straight chilling. And then our final objective, which is really the main thing to outline over this next couple weeks, our objective will be that in addition to continuing regular updates, we will be able to provide a high-level guidance of a potential of opening of opening a training camp roughly 45 days into the 60-day period covered by the CDC's directive. That CDC directive was announced earlier or late last night slash early this morning that they're not allowing anybody to congregate in uh, groups larger than 50. And that was even knocked down earlier today with a White House briefing to groups of 10 people. So essentially, based on how things shake out over the next couple of weeks, Marcus, we got nothing. 
Yeah, there's not a lot going on, and it's kind of sad. It is sad, and it's a it's a, it's a huge disruption because uh, early on the playmakers, uh, we were talking about it with Paul about how much of an escape uh, sports allows, but especially with the hockey community and how close we are, and and how tight of a knit group we are because it's just there's not that many of us when it comes to fandom. We're usually lower on the totem pole, but gee dang it, when you get us all together, we are a rabid base, and and we need to make sure that we're taking care of each other and taking every single thing seriously because at this point. We don't have any other choice. So please just do the personal responsible thing and stay home. If you're sick, if you're not, everybody should just be straight chilling. If you got mini sticks, if you got video game systems, if you have stick handling balls, there are so many different ways that you can play hockey at home with your family by yourself or just get your quick fix. But either way, we're all kind of dealing with that same type of boat. As I said earlier, like the NHL, the nightcap is going to take a brief pause for a bit. And uh, we're going to keep it. But to be sure, you guys need to keep an eye on that podcast because that's where we're going to be pushing everything hockey related that we talk about on the Playmakers or outside interviews like the one I did with Mike McKenna a couple weeks about the goaltending uh, situation that the Golden Knights uh, kind of structured last minute at the trade deadline. And and clearly, we don't know if, that, if there's going to be a resolution towards this end of the season. But regardless, that's a really good conversation between uh, myself and Mike McKenna, who literally just retired from the NHL. I've been retired a little bit longer than he has, but the goalie mind is is very is a very complex and dark and scary place, Marcus. And I just want to make sure everybody knows what they're getting into before they go down that deep cavern. You know what I mean? Definitely. You feel it? Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Marcus, for pushing all the right buttons and making sure that we sound amazing. Always well, a pleasure, Lindsay. Yes. And 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 wash your hands, Mark. Make Definitely. sure you're not. And make sure I, I you're got staying Lysol home. Here, I'm going to drink. You're good. You're good. I would usually say we'll be back every Monday from six to seven, but we're not really sure we're going to be back uh, at least live. But those podcast feeds, make sure you subscribe. Make sure that you comment. Make sure that you give us critiques, compliments, whatever. We'll take it. We'll take those listens and any type of content you want to see or hear about just for that on to me at Lindsey Brown 35 on the Twitter. So I guess this is the abyss. This is the hockey abyss, but we appreciate you guys sticking with us every step of the way. My name is Lindsey Brown and this is the nightcap on CBS sports radio 1140 and streaming on the radio.com app. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.